my DNA from above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. You got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big fish right there, Al. Yeah, baby. the size of it. G'day and welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast. The best job in the world. And it is the best job because you know what? I get to go fishing and filming and diving and exploring the best parts of the ocean around the world. And it's all classified as work. Can you believe that? You get to do it as a job. Now that is awesome. But this week we're doing something special because we're talking yellowfin tuna, which are my favourite. Well, you know what? They are my favourite. They're the one and only. They're such a unique species and I love catching them more than just about anything else. It's something about it. I think it's the massive sickles on them. Like, I love tuna, but I love yellowfin tuna more than anything. And this last few weeks, we've had an amazing run of big fish off Sydney. You know, 40 to 60 kilo fish in good numbers. Off Sydney, Australia, like off our biggest city, you troll out wide and you've got a chance at a proper fish. And it's really inspired us because the way we fish for yellowfins changed over the years. There's a lot of changes. So this recent run of fish has inspired this well inspired this this podcast I think because a lot of you have sent in requests going we want to hear about yellowfin we did bluefin we did that whole history of bluefin which is you know relating back to the the new doco that's about to be released and of course you know kingies and all the other things and swordfish with Richie but the amount of people that have asked for yellowfin tuna has been nothing short of amazing now yellowfin tuna are found right across the world in all three major oceans, Indian, Atlantic, and Pacific. So they're really widespread. And they mainly focus in tropical and subtropical waters. And in places like Australia, where you get the East Australian current, it actually push, pushes them down into temperate waters as well. They're very heavily fished commercially, and we're going to go into a bit of that soon. They're part of the Scombrae family, I think it is, Scombriae family. I can't even pronounce these Latin words for it. And they're a fast-growing species. And do you know what? They can reach weights of in excess of around 2 to 250 kilos. Although, you know what? Sadly, a fish over 80 kilos is unbelievable in Australian waters. It's one of those things you just don't see enough of. And sadly, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a problem. 100 kilos is considered the mark in Australian waters. Mexico and the west coast of Africa, I think, is where the really big ones are that are, you know, the monsters. And we're going to go into some of the sizes down the track a bit. But yeah, 100 kilos in Australia is about as good as it gets. Now, if we want to talk about maturity and things like that with them, and I'm not talking maturity as my maturity, I'm talking maturity as in the fish. Yellowfin reach maturity at around two to three years of age. That's how quick they're growing, so they can start spawning. Now, if you think back when I was talking southern bluefin tuna in an earlier podcast, they take 10 years to reach maturity. They both have to spawn up in the tropical, you know, in the tropical waters, because all tuna spawn in tropical waters. But how amazing is it that yellowfin can reproduce within a couple of years? And 
they're already 15 kilos. So they're screaming along. They're fast-growing species. And they only live for up to around eight years. So they talk about life in the fast lane for these guys. It's just amazing how quick they go. Now, in Australia, we've had some big fish. And during this podcast, not only am I going to talk about yellowfin and techniques, but I'm also going to bring up some theories about why our tuna fisheries changed over the years and what happened to those fish on the south coast at places like Montague Island, the Peak, all those hot inshore fisheries. And I've got some special guests coming in as well. I'm just going off on a tangent now. We've got Joe and we've got Stu from Sydney Watercraft Centre who went out and had the most amazing fight on the biggest fish ever. The story behind it is an absolute classic. And that's what yellowfin are all about. You know, it's they're such a tough fighting fish. But yeah, it's amazing. And it's part of that fishery that we've got out wide off Sydney at the moment. But even that's changed. Those inshore fish have gone. The offshore fish are, you know, seem to be there. And we used to cube inshore, which is like chunking for everyone in the US. And now it's more trolling. It's amazing how it's changed. Now, as I was saying, before I just went off on that little tangent, so they grow for about eight years, so that makes them fast growth. So they can be well looked after, but they're already overexploited in a lot of the oceans. And yeah, why they're overexploited? Because the damn greenies, here we go again, those damn greenies are eating canned tuna from the supermarket and telling you and I it's wrong to go and catch a tuna and eat it properly. And you know what? They're in there supporting netting these things, personating them, netting them up. And guess what? All those seabirds out there, they feed off the top of the tuna. So when you're out there eating your canned bloody tuna, you are killing seabirds. Let's just be straight about this, you dumbass greenies. You have no idea what you're talking about. You go and put in a marine park. Well, whoop-de-doo, that did a great world of good for no one except you. It doesn't help. If you go and look on those, on those uh, what do you call them, those apps, and see where all those commercial fishing boats are around the world. Have a look and see where they are and how much pressure it is because it's feeding the population that's overpopulating the world. God, I love giving it to these idiots. So you live in your concrete jungle and you think you're doing the right thing. Not a problem at all. You are stuffing it up for the rest of us. Let the proper fishermen and anglers and true conservationists get out there and look after these fish. Oh, God, they make my blood boil, these idiots. Now, where was I before I got off onto the tangent for greenies? First thing... Coffee in my Yeti. Okay. So now, there's been a lot of recapturing. So in Australia, we have one of the biggest tagging programs in, in the world, I think it is now, the New South Wales Game Fish Tag Program. Sadly, there's not enough money going into it. A good mate, Phil Bolton, runs it. Very passionate and great bloke. Unfortunately, he works for New South Wales Fisheries that, well, let's just say they don't care about, they're not real good at looking after fish, that's for sure. They're more interested in looking after themselves. But Phil, he is genuinely passionate about the fish. And it's tagged. I don't know how many yellowfin they've tagged over the years, but they've done a lot. And what's interesting is, you see on the East Coast, it's definitely related to the East Australian current. And that front edge is the Tasman front. They definitely follow that. We know they're sporting the Coral Sea. And some recent research, I believe, has showed that the yellowfin in the Coral Sea a semi-isolated from the Bismarck Sea to the north and out further into the, the Pacific, so out the other side of New Caledonia and Nauru and all that. There is some mingling, but the fish don't seem to mingle as much, which means that fishery is, we're working on that same, so that coral sea fishery is a single, I wouldn't say entity of yellowfin, but it's one, if we can look after it better, 
we can see those numbers continue to increase. So, yeah, very interesting sort of stuff. And this is the big thing. We need research. No marine parks. We want research so we can understand these fish. If we understand them, we can manage them. We saw what we've done with southern bluefin tuna without a single marine park, I might add. Instead, we need to be looking after these fish. Oh, and by the way, we don't need marine parks for whales or to sea turtles. Because guess what? They're already fully protected. So, you know, when you go, oh, we need marine parks to save the whales, the whales are fine. They don't need a marine park. They've got full protection in all Australian waters. Oh, man, I'll tell you, sometimes I really do scratch my head with these people. And do you know what? It's just because they don't come out here where we are. They don't come out in the water. They don't come out and do anything we're doing. And that's what I find so frustrating. I don't mind dealing with people, and I love people with different opinions, but I do not like dealing with idiots that have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, let's go into... Let's just go straight into now. I'm going to get my guests in. All righty. Now, my next guests, well, let's just say they're professionals when it comes to tuna. Or should I say even better, they're tin asses. Now, we've got Stewie and we've got Joe. Now, I've been friends with these blokes for way too long. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just put it this way. When Joe comes fishing, the first time he ever came out with us to go and catch, oh, I think it was catching marlin, we go out and straight away... We've got bait balls, we've got them everywhere, blown up sets, end up catching like, oh, I think it was 10 fish. How many fish do we end up catching? Oh, it was at least 10. Yeah. At least. And your cousin turned around on the th- and said, is this a good day? There's like 20 <laughs> marlin jumping around the boat. Yeah. And I go, yeah, this is, you'll never get a day like this. And he goes, oh, shit, this is awesome. <laughs> While we're catching the fish, he decides to put his fins on and uh, go for a swim with them as well. That's right. I just jumped in and we're sitting there, remember that? And I go, they're paintballing. Jumped out, left the wheel. And I remember looking back up and you're all going, the boat going, where's he going? What's he doing? <laughs> Those boys would have been shocked. No one ever. Yeah, would've... but Stewie, the one thing I told these bastards, I said, don't put any baits in. Let me film it. Oh, we'll picture them straight over his head. <laughs> so I'm filming and I'm this, this live bait just swim past. I'm like, what's that? And then this marlin goes past. I'm like, uh-oh. And then I turn around and they go, Get in the boat. We're on. We're on a double. <laughs> like, right. no, I'm trying to stitch you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so unfair. But we've got to go through because we're talking yellowfin. Now, the other day could not have gone any better. So to give you guys, to everyone listening, we've got to give you a bit of background. Joe rings up and goes, I want to come fishing. I said, righty-o. And he's just got his new boat. He's got a cruise craft. And because just a bit more background. So Joe does Sydney Watercraft Centre, which is the biggest jet ski centre in Sydney, Australia, yep. the world. Yeah. And so... And Stu, of course, actually runs it and does the hard work, but we won't go into that. <laughs> and said, right, we're going fishing. So we organised crew, and he goes, oh, I haven't got any gear. Can I borrow some of yours? I said, right, we'll organise it all. So we got the two boats together, set up all the gear, put the gear on, said, what we'll do is we'll run out 35 miles, start fishing, just sit next to us, we'll be right to go. Of course, Joe's radar didn't work for start, so we get out to the grounds, <laughs> and I see them stop, and oh, they're on a fish. And that was it. Now, what happened after that? Because we saw you guys stop. But, yep, they're on a fish. They get a little yellowfin, maybe an albacore. Yeah, so basically um, we were only about half an hour into the trawl. Um, I was still setting up one of the other rods. Anyway, as I was setting up the other rod, look over and the rod just taken off. You know, and I've gone, oh, crap, we're on. So I've gone, boys, quick, pull in the other lines. I've looked over to the reel and I've had a look at it and it's just turned into this big bird's nest. And I've gone, oh, shit. So I was, 
put my thumb on the spool, let the fish run a little bit further, slowly put it up onto strike, and we were on, we were on solid. Um, so I've run over, we've, you know, I've grabbed around the boys and said, look, well, we need the gimbal, I need a gimbal, this fish is heavy. So we've grabbed the gimbal, we've put it on, and we've gone, right, we're set, we're good to rock and roll. Anyway, so I've put the gimbal on, I'm holding the rod, you know, we start winding it in, and I'm going, oh, my hands, my hands are burning. We're only five minutes in. I'm going, geez, yeah, I'll persist with this a little bit longer. You know, can't, can't be too hard. We'll, we'll bring him up eventually. Anyway, started to lose feelings in my hands and my arms. And I'm going, nah, I've got to hand this over. So I've gone over to Hang one on, of the other boys. Minute. The reason you're losing feeling in your hands is from something else, okay? It's not <laughs> It might be a similar thing holding a rod, but it's something different, okay? We just want to be clear about that. Oh, geez, yeah, my arms were on fire. They were burning. So I've gone over to Daniel. I've gone, Daniel, you've got to take over, mate. That's it. Well, Stewie's on the wheel the whole yeah. time. I got stuck on the wheel <laughs> and I looked back. And for those of you who are listening at home, Joe is no slouch when it comes to holding big things. And he's a, he's a strong boy, let's just say that. And he has caught some big fish in his, in his lifetime. He's not just a, a regular amateur fish uh, fisherman. He's, he's a tin ass is what he is. He's a tin ass, <laughs> but he's caught the marlins. He's caught the, the, the tuna on spin gear and... And all that kind of stuff. And then when I looked over to him and I was on the wheel and he was struggling holding that rod, I thought, oh, geez, we're on to something big here. Either it's the bottom of the mind ocean you, the or... Mind you, the only gear that we didn't take off our was the actual harness. Well, yeah. Right? So the, important the most part. important part, we were missing. <laughs> so we're holding this whole weight of this rod with our, with our arms. Obviously, we have the gimbal on, but that means nothing when you're holding that rod and that weight. But, um, yeah, I've, I've looked over to Daniel. I've gone, Daniel... Sorry, mate. You're up. You're up. You're up. <laughs> so I handed the rod over and, you know, the, the look on Daniel's face when he grabbed that rod was priceless. Because I don't think people realise, you know, when you say, oh, man, these fish fight, like a big yellowfin is seriously hardcore. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can do it. You go, no, it really does hurt. Yeah. But you see it when you actually see a fish that big and go, holy crap, I've got no chance of landing this. I won't even land this thing, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's the whole thing, you know? And just the look on Daniel's face when I gave him that rod. I've given him the rod and he's grabbed it. He didn't expect anything anything to pull him down that hard, right? So he's holding his rod and he just, you know, the rod just gone straight down and he's looked over at me and he goes, this is a big fish. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the rod was nearly over the side of the boat. So there was two of, it up, two of us holding him back. But yeah. But how funny is it though? So we'd gone off and we're watching them in the distance and oh, so we better go back and see how they're going, you know, because this is like 40 minutes into it. And I thought, oh, they should have got this fish up on it. And we go back and picture this. We come past and there's Daniel hanging on, looking up at the sky like, <laughs> God, get me off this bloody rod. And Jay goes, come over and help. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll get on. I'll drive the boat for him. We'll get this fish up. So we've come in close. You know, it's hard to pull two boats in together at sea. Well, yeah, I didn't tell you at that time that we're giving you the rod, by yeah, the way. That's it. <laughs> you thought you were coming on to steer. Yeah, we'll we I'll gaff it. I'll well. get the fish. And, yeah, jump, jump on the boat. Go right. I'm ready. And they just turn around and just slam the rod in. <laughs> I'm like, hang on. I take photos these days. I don't catch fish. I don't want to wind these things up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not fun. That's not what I planned for. <laughs> So I thought, oh, you know, I'll start with that harness. I'll be right. Ten minutes in, I'm going, get the harness off. I said, how big is this fish? Said, oh, I don't know. It's bloody huge. I'm going, well, I've just worked that out. <laughs> oh. I think that was the priceless part when you jumped on and um, you kind of looked at us and we were struggling, obviously, and it had been an hour, almost an hour into the fight and the boys were dead and you just, you kind of came on thinking, 
I'll get it. Yeah, it can't be that hard. I'll just start winding it in and didn't use the harness and I've gone, well, geez, this is this is a big call from Al. I know he's good. But um, yeah, and then he's jumped on, but what, started playing with it for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden it was the... Uh, well, get me the harness. Get me the harness. <laughs> <laughs> Flick the harness over, boys. <laughs> How big is this fish? This is a proper fish. Yeah. yeah. So. And then you're on the wheel because that's the oh. other thing. People don't realise. How hard is it to drive on a fish? Like, it's that's the thing with catching a big tuna. Yeah. It's such a teamwork. Winding in's one part, but then on the wheel, and yeah. you're sitting there going, shout, I'm over shout this. Go forward, go back, go around, go around. all the drivers out there that do the hard work of actually driving the boat while everybody else is reeling it in because that is a tough uh, job. Mind I you, he took... Had a we panic were, attack. We were yelling and screaming at you before <laughs> Al jumped on because we're like, left, right, reverse, left, forward, back. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you're trying to keep... Could, you, what you don't realise as well on a tuna, on other fish, they're, you know, they're quite manageable, but on a tuna, they're just moving so quickly. So you'll line the boat up in a perfect position. You yeah, think, you oh, I've got the angle on him. And then all of a sudden, he's under your boat within like 30 seconds. You're like, well, how the hell did he get under there? And they keep going back under. And they that's do. the problem you get. Because the idea is, for everyone that doesn't know, is you want to keep that line, at if you can, at 45 degrees. So try and keep off the fish. You're right on top of it. It hurts you more than it hurts the fish. And this tuna kept going back underneath. And I remember looking at you and you were going, get me off this bloody wheel. And I've gone, Tom, fresh water, get over here. So I got one of the crew over the other boat to drive who's been driving for years, thinking, oh, we'll knock this fish over quick. And an hour later, he's still going on. I'm going, I'm going, oh, this bloody fish, I can't get this bloody thing up. And we hadn't seen it. We had no colour. We just marked it ever so slightly every now and then on the sonar. It was kind of... It wasn't coming up. It wasn't it coming up. Like, yeah. It honestly felt like every hour that went past, we we're only bringing in, we we're probably only bringing 10 metres or 15 metres on him. Yeah, depth-wise, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was sitting yeah, yeah. deep. And, and then when you get it back, he takes it off. Yep. <laughs> you get it back and he takes it yep. off. It was crazy. And we just It was that, that feeling of the unknown going, I wonder what it is. Is it a blue fin? Is it a yellow fin? Is it something completely random? Like, we just oh, have we're no idea. Or something else. Yeah. But that yeah. was the, that's the interesting part, because when we were, like, during the fight, during those final stages, when we finally got it to oh, come up, yeah. and it did the typical, we saw that silvery blue rather than that yellow. Yeah. And we're like, this is a bloody blue fin. I, <laughs> I want a big yellow fin if I have to fight it for two hours. And then when it didn't, it came up, and... It came in the distance there, and then that sickle popped we down saw the water, that. Yeah, and everyone that on board. It. That, to me, like, that's why I love yellowfin more than anything. You see this sickle, and he had serious sickles, like, right yeah. down to the tail, and we're looking at it going, oh, that's a proper one. That's yeah. a real fish. Yeah. And it's just like, It was a giant, you know. That's the biggest yellowfin I've seen. Yeah, well, that's, well, it's the second biggest we've ever caught off Sydney. I think it's the biggest... At the moment, I think it's still the biggest this year because I think the only large, the second biggest I've heard of is 1.6. So it's still 10 centimetres or was it 1.75 or whatever it was. Still a bit on everyone else. Yeah. But if he was a bit fat of that fish, we'd be rocking and rolling like he'd be well over 80 kilos on him. He's a little bit thin. He tasted good because I've been eating him every yeah, night. So we. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to one of the longliners about it and all the fish they're getting are really fat. So it's interesting that that fish was a bit thinner. He still had good oil content and stuff. Yeah. But go back to those final stages of the fight that, you know, when he comes up and that's the hardest part when you catch him. Oh, right. It was every man on deck on that one. So everyone had a, all of us had a job to do. That's exactly it. Everyone's got a role. Yeah. And it's getting it in, then it's time to get the boat. So you've got to be on the wheel. You've got to bring it on that angle. And the other thing, because people get scared when they see a fish that big, that you're going to go and sink a gaff in its head. And I know that sounds harsh. Some people will crack the shits, but that's what you're doing because you're going to eat it and you want to secure it. And of course, when it comes up, everyone looks and goes, 
oh, that's that's big. That's that's really big. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a proper fish. And then, yeah. of course, they all get nervous. And we got it up, and we're there, and Tom's there, and we're going, he's on the wheel, and you're on the wheel, and Stu's there filming it all. Yeah. And as Stu stayed away from the, like, the gaff, thought, oh, that's a lot easier. I don't have to gaff this. The others, yeah, I'm on the camera job. Well, I was trying to avoid all the possible things that would ruin the catch from the driving perspective i was just like the whole time i was just like don't run over the line don't run over the line don't run over the line you know just don't do something stupid there and then i avoided the gaff because i thought we've just reeled this thing in for three hours and if i make one small mistake on that gaff we're either here for another three hours if we're lucky otherwise that fish is gone because that's your moment so i was like that's it it's your moment it's your moment moment of truth to show i thought i'll leave it to the experienced guys because it like joe said i'd never seen a yellowfin that big before and And speak of experienced guys how was it so we had jim in my boat and ollie who's tom's son who's i think he's four or five at the moment and he's mad keen and what's he yelling at hurry up al we need a beer (laughs) (laughs) and jim's going yeah yeah let's give it to him and they're yelling out that we're not doing the job properly. Yep. A four-year-old screaming at us from the other boat, encouraged by Jim, I might add. But that was a little bit of payback for you anyway, because <laughs> the first marlin that I caught with Al, he was laughing, going, come on, mate, bring it up, bring it up. And, you know, I'm pretty sure it was freezing cold that day, but I was sweating my butt off and I had boys pouring water over my head and he's just laughing at me. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? This is good. See, this is, a this is good. I'm what really was going on so here. I was sitting on, I don't know if you recall it a couple of times, I was sitting on the side of the boat having a sandwich watching you bring that fish in. I remember that. I remember looking, turning around and going, bloody fish, how did I end up doing this? Because this is why I take photos these days, so I don't have to wind them up. All these people go, so what's your biggest fish? I went, the biggest one I've taken photos of is, I don't want to wind it up, that's bloody hard work. So. In saying that, I mean, it was great having you to help us but being a little bit more inexperienced on, on such a big fish but it was a little bit disappointing knowing Al and his photography um, I wish one of us was on it when it did come up to the boat just so Al because we all know Al would have jumped in so yeah. some of those photos yeah. would have j- just been amazing with those sickles down with those, the tail. it was just one of the most beautiful fish um, yeah that I mean, I'm a bit biased because yellowfin tuna is my favourite fish in the ocean. Ditto so, to that. That's to exactly. It's oh, unbelievable. It's you know? the sickles, isn't it? Like it when is. we went to Ascension Isle, and I'm jumping in with 100 kilo ones, and they're swimming around those massive sickles. Like I've done bluefin, I've done all the others, but yellowfin just rock. And like when that fish came up, those final stages during the fight, we're just going, oh man, that fish is cool. Yeah. Like sickles right to the tail. Yeah, it's, they, the just, they, look, they just look unreal. Like. There's no word to describe it. You know, you, you can go out and you catch your 20s, your 20 kilos and your 30 kilos. You know, they still look awesome. But just seeing that. The proper one. That yeah. was just amazing. Like Al said, the circles were huge on this thing. It and was... then when we got it, then Jim, we got him to do something good. Got him to, he had my camera in the other boat and he's taking photos. I think Ollie was yelling about they should go fishing or something and leave us. And we're getting that fish outside, getting all the photos that bring it in because you never get those shots. No. And that'll be on Instagram. So anyone who wants to see, go to the Instagram page. You'll see all the photos because those sickles hanging down the tail, that shot where he's lifting out of the water, or we're trying to lift out of the water. Actually, you guys were all pulling it out of the water and I'm standing there just watching. You were just holding the rope at that stage. Yeah. Put a tail rope on it. And someone put up, I saw on social media, someone goes, why have you got three gaffs in it? We always double gaff a fish if we have to. And the gaff at the back is to lift the tail up so you can put the rope on. I mean, it's always social media. You always get the Muppets and stuff out there. Yeah. And we put a rope on it because we wanted to get shots and you're holding it there. Like it's Mind not- you, it's not easy pulling an 80 kilo yeah. fin 
over the side. Out of the side of the boat. And mind you, holding I've, it there. For that's that right. Month. And I've got no door on the side of mine, so it was. And the cruise crafts are pretty high. Yeah. So you've actually got to come up and over. So. Mate, we needed every bit of gaff in that. I'll tell you what, that was one thing I realised, not having a, a bloody um, door in the side. I'm like, oh, man, I need a door. I appreciate my door a whole lot better. Not just yeah. for me jumping back in the boat when I'm being chased by sharks and stuff, but when the other way, when you're sitting there going, well, it's a lot easier lifting the fish in my boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never thought I was going to go out and catch an 80-kilo elephant and slide it through the door in the first place. So. <laughs> it's going to play out, yeah. I, I remember in the, in the uh, little process of purchasing the boat, we looked at the options list and there was the door. There was the door. Oh, the door the was there. The side, the and and we're thinking to ourselves, it was quite a big expense. And we're thinking, do we need a no, door? No, we're no. not going to catch a fish enough, uh, big enough to catch, like, to put it through the door. So we thought... Nah, nah, it's all right. We'll leave that option out. So, well, can I just tell you? Yeah, you already have yeah. now. So, go to the <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, how good was it when we came back? Like, and that's the other part to it. You catch a big fish like that, right? We're all going in, stack it full of ice, you know, because this is a big thing when you catch these tuna. As everyone puts them on the deck, leaves them, bleed it, gut it, gill it, pack it with ice, get it ready, and then go back in. And then when we got back to my place, we're processing it. Even the neighbours came oh, around. Yeah. Neighbors came around. The Your dad's there going, was there. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> we told everybody on the phone on the way back in through Sydney Heads, you know, oh, we caught a big tuna. Do you want to come and see it? And everyone was like, well, the first question I got most of the time was, how many did you catch? Not the size how of it. many it's it's, yeah. it's it's huge it's like it's a once in a lifetime fish but everybody wants to know how many but not. did you only get one <laughs> yeah. uh yeah it did take us three hours but yeah we only got one what took you so long, long? Yeah. Why were you so slow? and then when they said they go that's massive. That's what we're trying to tell you. Yeah, so we put it on the Bunnings table, the 1.7-metre table. This t- hanging over the just side. Just hanging over the side. And everybody that's come around and looked at it and gone, oh, wow, that's a big fish. Well, I'm pretty sure your neighbours <laughs> never spoken to you before, no, and they were all hanging out. Now they love me. Yeah. <laughs> and I had the mail. So when we cleaned it up, we've kept the, the, um, the carcass because we can use it for catching sharks and stuff or filming sharks. And... The male bloke came around the next day, and I'd forgotten. So here's this pink carcass <laughs> sitting on the table, pictures in your front garden. He's walked up to drop some stuff off. I think it's some Costa Sunnies or something. And he's walked up and gone, uh, <laughs> and here's this massive head of the tuna looking at him like, you know, glazed eye. And he's like, uh, just sign here, thanks. But <laughs> So he's probably gone back to the go, you should see what this guy had in his front garden. And then Ollie went over and told the guys at the tennis court there was a massive tuna, so they all came over uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, street party. Yeah, that's. I think that's Al's version of the Godfather. Instead of sending horse heads, he said big, <laughs> just send a tuna head. big tuna head in your, in your uh, like bed. How you funny was it actually walking it up the street as well? Because I couldn't have parked the boat in the driveway because Al, Al stole the spot in the driveway. It was my house. But <laughs> <laughs> we did have a big fish to take out. Board, so. But anyway, so we parked on the side of the road and we're going, right, we've got to take this. We've got to take this we're over now. We've got, to, we've got to take it to the front yard. There was four of us that actually carry it over and, and bring it into your yard and cars were stopping. Yeah, it was 100 yeah. metres up the street. So yeah. we're walking there with an 80 kilo yellow fin, four of us holding it, and everybody's driving down the street going, what? The, the hell, hell is, is going on here? Do you know what? That brings <laughs> up another funny thing. You know, you see on social media all those blokes that go, oh, yeah, I got one about 85 kilos. And there they are holding it up on their own. Oh, yeah. With hearts. Yeah, no, no yeah. way. <laughs> it took four of us to carry yeah, this. And mind right. you, we struggled. You can't lift a fish that big. You cannot lift nah, it up impossible. on your own. If you put it on Eskie and put it on your feet, that's it. I remember we caught a massive big eye that was 93. 
There were three people across the back on their knees to hold it. When we were holding a photo and Jim was doing it, we had it sitting right up on there and everyone's holding it. And it's like, no, no, no. Dropped it. They're slip, quite slippery as well at yeah. the time when you're trying to grab them. And I remember I had, there was someone on the head and then I was kind of on the belly section and I had both arms underneath it. And I was just like, there's four of us holding it. It shouldn't be Did that heavy. Did you notice heavy. I was on the tail? Yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> Al was doing nothing. Looking great for the photos as Experience usual. Experience coming through. That's true. <laughs> just like, that's stay true. away from the head. That's it. Tom's fresh water was down on the head holding it going, oh, shit, this is big. He wasn't even there for that video. He had to drive. He's like, oh, this is heavy. I'm like, yep, it's okay at the tail end here. This is fine. Yeah, note to self, always take the tail end. Always take the tail end. I'll lift the tail up. I, I, I was actually standing next to you, by the way, yeah, yeah, on yeah. the tail end. Smarter at the <laughs> so at that end. Oh, so, but how was it for that? And this is the thing, like, game fishing's just, it's a team sport. Could you get 100%. any more in team sport with two boats catching that no. fish? Jumping oh, in again. Mate, it was Everyone unreal. We basically, Al pulled up beside us on his boat. We were able to hold the boat, both boats together, jump on, and it was just two boats, team effort. It, 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 it just worked smoothly, actually. And getting the fish. That's yeah. the thing, the beauty. When that fish came over the side and hit the deck, you that, just look at it and go, that's yes. what we That feeling, I, I mean, I've played a lot of team sport in my in my life and that was one of the feelings where you kind of won the that grand moment final. where you win a grand final yep. or something like that, everybody just looks at each other and goes wow what an effort you know from the driver to the guy everyone plays a role everyone yeah, playing everyone. a role to the guy that's gaffing it um it's just such a, a like a team achievement a mutual achievement it's just not one person that's what it is and that's the thing that you try and explain to people that don't do it you go these fish when you get it there's that feeling of ecstasy like you've never had before yeah you know and when you lose it when you snap them off or they pull the hooks or something it's just you're crying and people go oh it's only a fish you go no that's the once in a lifetime fish you know and so that when it comes not. together like that it's as good as it gets it got really serious when we saw color when it came up for the first time we saw those big sickles those big yellow fin typical sickles and we're like Ooh. We cannot lose this fish from here, you know. It's like that last 20 minutes in the grand final. He's going up, he's and going just, down. And yeah. everyone's tense and we're like, we've got to land this, we've got to land this, whatever happens, you know. And then and he came past, didn't he? He came past, I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll get it. And then he went back. I'm like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so like, you kind of feel helpless as well when you're, you're, you're maybe on the wheel or you're getting ready to gaff and it's only like 10 metres in front of you. And, and Al's there trying to pull it in and you just, you almost want to just jump in and grab it, but you feel helpless because Al's the one up winding. Trying and to get that head trying just a little to get bit closer. It, yeah, everyone's so just willing it closer, you know, it was just amazing. Well, how good is the hype afterwards as well? So say for, like, I haven't come down off the hype, right? So what's today? Today's, uh, uh, where are we? Uh, Thursday. Thursday, right? Yeah, four, five, four, five days. Catch. Now, I have not come down off the hype since then. I'm still, my mates are still ringing me. I'm still carrying on about how we caught this fish. And I reckon it's going to stick with me for a very, very long time. That actual feeling is, mate, I, I can't describe it. I actually can't describe it. Until yeah. you catch a bigger one. That's <laughs> oh, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely on the agenda. You set the precedent. It's only going to get oh. bigger. The first one was a 1.7 metre close to 80 kilos. So I don't, yeah, that's setting the bar higher, but we like to do that. Done. Well, that's it then. So next time, we're going to get a bigger one. We're on. <laughs> How good is that? You cannot get a better fish than that. And do you know what? I know it's not kosher as they do it with the, the game fishing rules where one person winds it up, but the beauty is nothing was wasted on that fish. 
We caught it, we processed it straight down. It's on ice. We all drove home. Both boats went straight in and we cut it up and we've all been eating yellowfin. And that's part of the evolution of fishing for us is that when we used to catch tuna, we'd drag them on the deck, we'd leave them there for hours, wouldn't bleed them. Now, because of what I've learned fishing with commercial blokes with long liners like Shane Ralph and everyone, is how to process these fish properly, how to look after them. So now the eating quality is insane. And it's not about catching them, it's about catching it to feed your family. And I'll tell you what that tuna has. He has fed the family left, right and centre. What an awesome fish. So let's go into, well, let's first have a look at where some of the biggest yellowfin in the world are. We've had this great run off Sydney and that fish, which was 75, is probably a little bit thinner than he should be. At 1.7 metres long, or 1.75, I think he was, he would should have been close to 100 kilos because for a yellowfin, 100 is about 1.85 long. And so he's right up there, but he was a bit thin and he should have been realistically up in the 80s, but he probably would have only just cracked 75, maybe 78 kilos. So still a bloody big fish. And those sickles. The moment those sickles came out, what an awesome fish. So it's interesting. Now, I went and fished Ascension Island a number of years ago, and we were filming for Fishing With Mates. In fact, if you guys want, I will do a whole podcast on Ascension because it was such a unique spot. So Ascension Island is down in the South Atlantic Ocean, pretty much between Brazil and across well, the Congo, I suppose, you know, West Africa there exceptionally remote and hard to get to but what i'm getting at is we went there to film yellowfin all i wanted to do was film those big yellowfin and we jumped in with fish up in the 120 if you look at my instagram page al mcglashan you'll see some awesome pics there and i do put them up again a couple of times i mean i know i've got lots but i do there's a couple of shots there that i republished out again because you're jumping in with 100 120 kilo fish and swimming around with them but with those sickles, and this is what the point I was trying to get to, is that when I'm in the water with them, they actually move those sickles up and down. So they actually sit down towards the tail, and then as they'd come past, they'd flex them out, which I suppose is making them look bigger. We don't know why yellowfin actually have these big sickles, but I tell you what, from a fishing point of view, they are magic. Just seeing those things come out of the water, or being in the water with them at Ascension Island, and seeing them swim past, that's what makes them the best tuna. Now, if you're talking the biggest tuna, there's some really big ones in West Africa. Ascension, we didn't really see them above about that 120, 130 kilo range, which is a massive tuna for us and for us Aussies. But over there, West Africa, you get them up over 300 pounds, so up over that 150 kilo mark. And I think it was Ghana they used to fish. See, this is an interesting point. No one fishes these grounds out of West Africa there. You've got Ghana, and I think there was that island there, someone else that maybe that they fished a bit, that they caught the big tuna. But no one has really fished those waters. I mean, you might get shot at. Some of the local countries there aren't real good. There's a bit of turmoil going on and stuff. But those waters would be unreal. I suspect there's some international fleets in there destroying them and doing their thing for the canned tuna. Thank you, greenies. Keep eating your canned tuna. But, yeah, it's it'd be one that would be well worth looking at. And we know that those fish from Ascension Island used to go into the Gulf of Guinea, and that's where they spawn. So you should find, if for the adventurous angler out there, there's some really good spots in West Africa to go. Alternately, the other hot spot is on the other side, is the Pacific, the Mexican coast. And Mexico, 
all remember the old days of the long range fleet XL and you know the rooster I think it was all go out I think they still do to this day they all travel out of California or San Francisco or somewhere up there travel down and do like long range trips down into Mexico and fish those waters down there and that's where the biggest yellowfin in the world come from now they closed down I've got some notes on it San Benedicto which is the third largest of the Riviello Rivi oh I'm gonna get nailed for this Riv Revi Gigalo Islands. Someone please correct me on how I meant to say that. But they're off Mexico and that makes up the biggest... That was closed, actually. Sorry, that was closed down to fishing in 2002. Apparently, there's still some dodgy commercial fishing going on in there. But that was shut down. Well, further... And I think it's further south. Hurricane Bank is still... Which is off Porto Valta. Am I getting this right? I don't know if I'm getting my... I haven't fished in these waters, so I don't know how to pronounce it. So if anyone from the US or Mexico, when you guys listen to the podcast, and I know there's a few of you over there, please text me and correct me on this that I'm getting it right. So Hurricane Bank is where they've got them. And the biggest was 427 pounds, which is, God, just over 190 kilos, 185 kilos. And in... The largest went up to 4.45, so from 4.27 to 4.45 pounds. That is an absolute cow of a yellowfin. That was a few years ago now, and that was caught on one of the long-range boats fishing down there. So, and they regularly catch fish over 200, and you know, a lot of fish in the 300-pound range. So, if you want the really big ones, Mexico is the place to go. For us here in Australia. Well, we don't get anything bigger than that. Our biggest ever caught is 124 kilos. And that was down at Montague Island. And I was there fishing that day. And it was pretty much the end of the big fish. And this is a really interesting story. So for those that don't know, Montague Island is off Bermagui, or straight off Naruma, I should say, down the south coast of New South Wales. It's It was made famous when Zane Grey came out and started fishing here and they caught all types of, you know, awesome fish in those days. And as a kid, when I fished there, it was all yellowfin. Ironically, when my dad fished there before, before I was even born, it was all bluefin. But we'd go out and catch yellowfin, and there were heaps of yellowfin in those days. The best spot to catch the really big ones was either the Four Mile Reef, which was just out the front of Bermagui, or Tuna Alley, which was the northeast corner of Montague Island. And nearly all the big 100 kilo plus yellowfin caught in Australia were caught on Montague Island there in that northeast corner and Tuna Alley. Now, what's really interesting is that pretty much over a decade ago, that fishery pretty much shut down. And everyone, you get the normal thing, they blame the commercial fishermen. And do you know what? I'm anti-commercial fishing in many ways, but I'm the biggest supporter of any fishery that's done the right way. And I tell you what, they are not to blame in any shape or form. It is ridiculous that we seem to have this unwritten rule, if anything goes wrong, you blame the other sector. They probably blame our guys as well, but like, come on, guys, let's work together here. So let's look at the fishery. These beautiful big yellowfin that come in there, we as recreationals fished them, and did we ever let one go? Never. And it was the same up at, uh, they even had them up off Sydney on the peak, the big yellowfin, they, they fished them out even earlier. Uh, there was a small fishery there up off Port Stephens in close at one stage. Even the banks down, the St. Joseph Bakes down off Nara had them as well. 
and all those big yellow fin vanished. All right, so here's my theory. What I think happened is that the fishery, that there was a certain, I call it the tribe mentality. And I'm really interested to get some feedback on this. So what would happen is this school of yellowfin knew to go to Montague Island. And they'd go there every year, same time as they did, to feed. Because there's good feed around there. Or Four Mile or off Sydney. Whichever group it was. Of course, as we got better and started fishing them harder, started catching them, we're, take, we're, we're cutting that school down. Now, you give that school hard enough time, the remaining fish, or maybe we even fished it out, don't come back. It's the same as, you know, with us. We go to the same people who go, same family go to the same restaurant. If that restaurant changed hands or, well, they say there was a shooting, whatever it is, something changed, you stop going back. So the remaining fish, you know, evolution worked out the fact that if we go there, too many of my mates disappear, so they don't go back. Or we fished it down so hard that as the fishery comes back, the new fish don't know to go there because they can't just magically go, oh, I'll just swim over there because that's where they've always gone. They're a schooling fish. They go where they all go together. So we fished them down, and guess what? It wasn't commercial. It was everyone did it. We all played a role in killing those fish. And it's frustrating. And what's really annoying for me is that we should be looking at ways of fixing it. And, of course, they chuck it a few marine parks. Mm, didn't work that, did it? Fancy that. It's about management. And the interesting thing is at the moment is, according to AFMA, I think it's 2,400 tonnes, I think, of yellowfin. Is that quota for the East Coast? I think it's double that in the Atlantic uh, – sorry, in the Indian Ocean. She's in trouble, the Indian Ocean – there's lots of fishing on the high seas there. No one knows what's going on out there. It's a real worry. And there's too many countries that are turning a blind eye to it and doing the wrong thing that really need to be pulled in on what they're doing. And I'd love to see some more work from the likes of, well, maybe the greenie groups as well. They will carry on and give you know recreational fishing a hard time. Maybe we need to be teaming up together and question these countries and finding out who's doing the wrong thing out there. Hey, wait a minute. Why don't we just go to the supermarket and see where all the tuna is? Walk into a supermarket and see how many canned, how many rows and rows of canned tuna there are. Do you think that's not making an effect? Let me tell you, it is a massive effect. So don't eat canned tuna. Okay, back to it. So these, this, these inshore fisheries have actually dropped down to the point where they're non-existent now. But what's interesting is that the longline fishery has still been very, very strong. Now, you, you get the old response, oh, no, they're fishing miles, miles and miles out to sea. No, they're not. They're actually fishing inshore for a lot of it. And inshore, I mean in on the 1,000-fathom line. So outside the 100-fathom, they don't even fish inside 500 fathoms as a general rule. But they've been catching lots of fish, mainly on the north coast. Now, as recreationals, Bermagui in May was when you caught big yellowfin. They turn up the 1st of May and they leave on the 30th of May. That's our mindset. But guess what? The south coast has been very slow, but they're still catching lots on the north coast. Now, this can mean one of two things. One, the global warming's obviously got a problem because that doesn't work. The yellowfin should actually be going further south. Or two, that we're fishing them that their home range is shrinking so that we're catching them further north. Because as you, you fish a fishery hard, its home range will shrink. We need to do more research and learn more about it. And I know that there's really good tuna modelling that they utilise and, and maximise on that we can understand the population, especially for stuff like yellowfin because they breed so quickly. 
But we do need to address fishing on the high seas. It's a massive issue. So that's my theory on those yellowfin. So now the cubing at the top end of the island there, all those things are pretty much finished. Instead, it's all about fishing offshore. And the first big yellowfin we caught, which was 70-something kilos, it took us three hours to catch. And would you believe it that that fish came up tail wrap. We caught it on a snap hook. This is off Bermagui, which was the same time that that 124 kilo fish was caught, but we were fishing offshore on the shelf. And to this day, I still remember it, like the fight on these fish is insane. Got it up, it was tail wrap by the end, and the hook was straightened. We caught that fish, but what it started was the offshore fishery. So it's been interesting how we progressed as fishermen, so we fished inshore because we didn't have the technology. Boats didn't go that far. I remember the days that I'd go to the shelf. That was a big mission, to drive to the shelf. Now, only the other day when we're fishing offshore with Joe and all that, we're fishing 45 miles out. We didn't even put the lines in until we hit 40 miles because we knew where the water was, so we went right straight to it. And that's technology again and better. I'm now running the four-stroke, the brand-new Mercury. Yes, I'm going to give it a plug because it's a bloody good engine. It's quiet and it's damn economical. And it gets me out and back. Stuff like that, you know. Got a little Furuno gear in there. So now running radar. We've got sounders like a mark fish. And, of course, the SSTs. And I'm going to go into finding fish with the SSTs soon. So now our fisheries are mainly offshore. And as I said, they don't just turn up in May. We've just had a good bite now, which is the bluefin season. The bluefin haven't stacked up tight. Not because their numbers are down. Because the water hasn't allowed them to. This is understanding currents. There's lots of bluefin along the east coast right now, but they're not in one spot stacked up. So a couple of boats caught them off Sydney, a couple of boats down the coast caught them. They're not stacking up at all. And what's really interesting is there's yellowfin mixed in with them because once all the bluefin get together, they turn into a bunch of thugs, a bunch of bullies, and push yellowfish out. The guys fished out in a rumour the other day. They caught a bluefin on one boat, on Ben's boat. I think it was Nitro. And then on the other one, they caught a yellowfin. So bluefin and yellowfin side by side. So the key is for this style of fishing is trolling. And it's being on the water when the fish are on. It's not the old days of going to Bermagui in May because that doesn't work. I don't even know if they still have. They used to have a, a yellowfin comp in May, which I think they've actually, I don't even know if it runs anymore because you just don't catch them now. Whether this is water diff, water's changing, global warming, whatever you want to call it, it could be just that the fish are changing the way they're acting. It could be anything. And I honestly could not tell you that, what it is and i know everyone's got a theory about it but i like my theories to be based on fact not because my mate told me or we're still i read it on the internet all right now when it comes to finding tuna this is the important part these days it's all about sst's the inshore fishery's gone and i don't think it'll ever come back sadly we need to find these fish and it's out in the blue yonder so it's all about sea surface temperature charts now i was lucky because i went out and did it with the long liners with shane ralph on the jordan kate and learned not only a great respect for their appreciation of the ocean and working it but also on how they find fish it played a massive role for me because i've been involved with ssd since they started now would you believe in the very start with sea surface temperature charts we used to get a black and white fax showing us the eddies and everything. Now, a lot of young blokes have begun, What's he, what is even a fax and black and white? I don't know what you're talking about. That's what we started with in the really early days. Now it's evolved to the point where you've got 
free stuff like CMOS, you've got um, fish tracks, you've got rip charts, you've got all these great ones. You've even got the commercial ones, which luckily I've got access to, but you can't have them generally. You've got to pay for them and it's a vast expense. But all these all play a role. And the important thing to remember is that everyone talks about, oh, they look for hard edges, as in current breaks and temperature breaks. That's where the fish are. They are not. Can I just tell you that? They are not on hard edges. Soft edges are a lot better. Think of it this way. The main current is an open freeway. Those fish are traveling down there at speed. They're racing along. Yes, you will occasionally catch fish in it, but it's like on a freeway. They're racing past you. But when they pull off that main current into a little side eddy or a little, you know, like, well, you could say the service station selling cheap coffee, that's where they pull up. That's where you catch them and the fish stack up a bit. That's what commercial blokes look for and that's what we need to look for. And yes, I know they're setting thousands of hooks so they can, or now thousand hooks so they can get their gear out and cover more ground. We can't, but we actually have an advantage as, as Rex is that we can find those little pockets that might be small and focus on them. So how do we do it? So these days, social media plays a big role and it's good and bad because sadly, particularly with the likes of Facebook, We've now given voice to people that should never be heard. The trolls, the haters, the can't stand any opinion but their own. And if you block them or ban them, they go off their tree because, well, no one wants to listen to you. You're, you people are morons that all you do is abuse you. Anyone that catches a good fish, you should see them come out. You should have let it go. You should have done this. You should have done that. Well, I ate it and fed my family. So you can stick it where the sun don't shine, you morons. I know, you know, I carry on with them a bit, but seriously, these people, I saw it years ago and we had the super trawler where we we're trying to fix it for everyone. And you know what? A bunch of psychos, a couple from Tasmania and I think some in Victoria and I don't think there were any in New South Wales. These bullies and thugs, some of them were union members, all went off and abusing us because we went and tried to fix it. And you know what? They stuffed it for everyone. So you've got to be careful of these people that jump on. And guess what? If they say it on the internet, it's not always true. In fact, 90% of the time, it's actually not true. They're kind of like the way I see greens, isn't it? Idiots that have no thing. And the worst part is they never go bloody fishing. They're just whinging shits that just have nothing but just get on social media and troll. And if they're not on your account and they're on someone else's, they don't think you're getting targeted when they carry on because they're doing it to everyone because they're just miserable sods. For the rest of us, we're going fishing. Okay, so on the upside social media, you can find reports when people start catching fish. And it's great because people are sharing these days, which is what fishing's all about. You want people sharing, go, this is where we're finding the fish. You don't need the specific marks. You need the general area because the water is fluid and it moves. It's not like a pinnacle out there where they're sitting on, you know, Browns Mountain or a bit of reef or something. They're on the edge of the current. It moves. All you want is the general area. And even when I've helped guys and said, look, these are the marks where the fish are sitting. This is where you need to fish. Guess what? It's not the exact marks. And the amount of blokes that have driven to the exact marks going, oh, Al, they were awesome. Caught fish right on those marks. I went, yeah, that's that's just general mark. We're only doing it off a satellite because you know how SSTs work, right? Is that sea surface temperature charts are registered from satellites. Satellites can't go through cloud for starters. So day like today, I'm sitting down here in Victoria it's cloudy as we're not getting any charts and that's really important too because as a side note to that is if you get a chart that's all perfect and it's cloudy what it does is the 
algorithms are correcting all the bits where there's cloud. We don't want that. We don't want it at all. We want it so we can see the raw data and we can read where it is because we don't want some algorithm, some bloke that's been sitting on a computer for way too long to build an algorithm that corrects it for us. I want the raw data to go, oh, that edge is there. No, that's not correct. And so we can interpret it properly because now what we want is we want to see that main current, the East Australian current for, for my home grounds off New South Wales, but we want to read where it turns, where it kicks, where there's a little kink in it, anything that where those fish might pull out the main current and stop. That's where we want to fish. And for whatever reason, it seems to be that it's not down on the south coast the way it used to be. North coast has been really good. Commercial blokes have been fishing up there and doing really well in the spring. The interesting thing is there's no one tuna fishing around them, not one. Some of the wrecks still go to Birmingham in, you know, in May where there's hardly any yellowfin caught these days. It's just non-existent, which, of course, is really weird because when you think about it, we're saying that there's global warming, and I'm not for or against it. I'm still, you know, I think we're changing the earth. There's no doubt about it. But that means the yellowfin should actually be moving south, but they're going north. But then on the other note, does that mean that their home range is shrinking because we're hitting the population too hard? That's the question. According to the data, they're not overfished on the Pacific, so in the Tasman Sea, up into the Coral Sea. On the West Coast, they are overexploited. But there's lots of crap going on out there that should never be. Yeah, she's pretty dangerous out there, what's going on. And lots of countries who don't care and let let people do whatever they want. Okay. So once you've used the SSTs to find the fish, or the general area, I should say, you're getting on the water. And this is where you become either a good fisherman or a really good fisherman. It's all about reading the signs. Firstly, the water. The water can be different colours. There's an old saying my mate James Erebry said that Eskimos can tell 22 different types of snow. Well, if I looked at the snow, it's all white, it's all icy, and it's all bloody cold. But it's the same in the water. There's different. There's clean and green. There's blue. There's blue and murky. There's cobalt blue. There's bluish. There's all these different colours which you really actually can tell you what type of fish you're going to see in there. And the funny thing is that a lot of people can't recognize. They go, oh, it's really blue. And you look at it and go, no, nah, that's actually green. Clean and green can be good. And really taking a close look at the water plays a massive role. Early morning, it will look blue. But as the sun comes out, it can actually be quite green. So you've really got to look at the water. And I learned this when I fished with some of the commercial guys is that you can see and they're like oh no the water's changing this is where the fish are these are little points that are really important to what we do is to be observant so it's not just the water color it's you know what's in it are there blue bottles in there that usually means an edge of a current you know there's bait there's souries there's little blubbery stuff in there there's phosphorescence you know glowing in there all these things all add up to the equation but what's really important is being able to identify those different different waters. And this year, this is the other part, just to make it confusing, this year the fish have been in dirty water. So those big yellowfin we're catching off Sydney are the same one the commercial guys have been catching north are all in dirty water. Now, that's not where we normally fish for them. They normally fish in clean water. The reason I know it is because I've got all my underwater gear ready to film and I keep looking at the water going, oh, it's a bit dirty. And one thing that's quite interesting there is I've quite often got in and gone, oh, the water looks really clean and got in the water and it's dirty. So when you're actually in the water, it's not what you perceive it above. So there's there's all these parts that play a role. But you're now looking, so you're on the water, you've, you've 
pick the right spot. You've identified that you're in reasonable coloured water, you know, the, you like the water. Next thing, it's those signs. It's the sauries. You know, you're seeing sauries out there. You're seeing birds, the birds. We need to read the birds. So let me tell you, if you find gannets, Australasian gannets offshore, you are in like Flynn. And I'm talking 500 fathoms, not in the shelf. Everyone gets excited. You go over the shelf, oh, there's gannets everywhere. There's going to be tuna. We don't see the tuna on the shelf like we used to. They're all out wider as a general rule. So when we see them, they're a good sign, especially for me, 500 fathoms. If I start seeing gannets out there, it's almost guaranteed. But what's really interesting is we don't see them on bluefin. So on yellowfin, oh, yeah, that's if he's got gannets, he's got yellowfin. In the season, this is—I'm not talking marlin season too. So it's during the yellowfin season, but bluefin, you don't. And I know everyone will be going, "Yes, you do. You do." Down in Victoria, down on the Bonnie or upwelling there, it's unreal. You find the gannets and all the action. There's birds everywhere. There's tuna, and you actually look for the birds up here in New South Wales. For some reason, the bluefin don't seem to have many birds on them, but yellowfin, and we're talking yellowfin. Yellowfin, 100%. You find those gannets outside 500 fathoms and it's almost guaranteed they're yellowfin there. You mightn't see them blow up, but they're there. Somewhere they are there. Then there's the little turns. Any turns out there, we always call it a turn for the better. I know it's a dad joke, but it's bloody hell, it's good. They're another good sign. Mutton birds, shearwaters, less so. But a couple of years ago, and this is where it's understanding everything, not just the fish, it's understanding everything about it. We had a, a situation where lots of white bait. Now, I'd never seen it, but out wide, of course, gannets don't eat white bait. They eat bigger stuff like pilchards and sauries and slimies. So we didn't see a lot of gannets. There were a few still floating around trying to be opportunistic, but mutton birds, massive bird, massive schools of mutton birds or flocks, I suppose, circling like whirlwinding around and going crazy and get into there and there were massive yellowfin in with them. And they're all feeding slowly, not exploding like they do on sauries. They're just rolling on the surface. And we caught our biggest yellowfin ever out of one of those schools. And my old mate Jamie rang up from Apollo and said, oh, you know, they're a bit further north. I raced up to near where he was. Didn't even get to him and found another school and trolled around a couple of times. You know, can you imagine seeing yellowfin up in the so that that 50, 60, 70, 80 kilo range just rolling beside the boat. And we kept fishing it and fishing it, never got a bite. In the end, I said to Thomas Eisenhammer, who fishes with all the time, bloody good fisherman, said, righty-o, mate, just drop that laser pro right, right back. And as he dropped it back, it went off. And I tell you what, the whole thing is on video. We end up catching the fish in 11 minutes. 83 kilos, the massive, fattest yellowfin I've ever seen in Australia, and we crank this thing in. No sickles, not like the one we caught the other day with the huge sickles on it, which if you look on Instagram, you'll see the pics of that one as well. This one didn't have anything like that at all. It's, it was just a massive butterball, 11 minutes straight in the boat. And if you jump on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, you will see that fight, and it's pretty much uncut. It's amazing, just such a huge fish. But again, it was reading the birds and understanding it. And I will go through it in a minute about the difference with the, you know, how you set your lures up and because it's an important part to it. Just on another note, we are sharing marks now. It's really good to see most people are sharing their marks. There are a few little slimy bastards out there that are calling up dodgy marks. 
And by that, I mean they ring up and go, oh, there's Yellowfin at 3302 or just the back of Browns. They're everywhere. In fact, the other day we were fishing and it was horrendous weather. 25 knots, whipping across, just absolutely crap. We're out the back of Browns. Some bloke got on the radio going, oh, mate, it's going off. There's Yellowfin blowing up and Browns everywhere. And we're thinking, I'm looking at the water. All it is white caps around us. You couldn't see Yellowfin blowing up. So it was some moron on shore probably making a joke. This should be illegal. If you send boats out to see, getting them excited that they think they're going to get fish and you're giving out false marks, I reckon there should be imprisonment. That's what I reckon. It is an un-Australian, shitful, mongrel attitude to put out false, false spots. If you don't want to put them out, don't tell them. But if you've got fish up, you tell them where you are or you just say nothing at all. And to me, to send people on a wild goose chase is just... Yeah, I reckon if we take find these people that do that sort of stuff, I think we should do two things. One, take them to sea, and second, feed them to sharks because it'll make a better world for us. So, all right, now, before I get... In fact, they're just like greenies, those people, aren't they? They just get me fired up. So let's look at the trolling spread. So these days, trolling's the key. So you're running out to the marks, you... You're using, you know, you want to cover the area. You're looking for birds. You're looking for the, you're constantly looking at the water. So what is my spread? On the shotgun, laser probe. Single hook, single big VMC hook on it, right out the back on its own. That caught that big yellow fin for Thomas Eisenhammer. It's, it is the spot that has caught some of my best fish. A lot of my big blue fin have actually been caught in the same spot. And I vary the distance. If there's other boats, I pull it in a bit, uh, put it up in the rocket launcher. I do move it in and out. So this is not a set spread. I do chop and change a lot. Now, I also run on the short rigger, Halco Max, the small one. Again, a big single hook in the belly. And I run this up short. Now, this is not a place you normally do, but it keeps the leader out of the water and it works a treat on big yellowfin. I've caught some really good fish short off the outrigger. So it's definitely worth a go. On the other side, long corner, I run a skirt as a general rule. Uh, you can chop and change with it. I, I like seven to eight inches. I like clear ones. I like sometimes with a bit of purple in it, darker colors. Uh, and it's the same on the other rigger. Again, I match chop and change a little bit. Skirt single hooks. Again, seven eight to nine o. Fluorocarbon, 150 pound suffix. And normally... I run about six foot on each. I also run now and again is the old Shimano squidgies, blue water squidgies. They swim like crap, but the tuna love them. You don't see them much these days because they don't make them anymore. In fact, one of my good mates, Sundal Benson, that's all he runs when he's catching tuna. He's had a blinder on the tuna this year. If you can find them, they're worth a mint. And I tell you what, I have to keep super gluing them back together just to try and keep them going. But yeah, look, they're really good on the long corner as well. Um, and then on, so they're really good on the long corner as well. Then I also have a live bait at all times, slimy, ready to go to pitch out. Cause there are times there where you see the fish, you don't get a bite, you keep trolling. You can just throw the live out and it works. Sometimes it doesn't work at all. Other times it works a treat, but this is about maximizing so that you can take every opportunity. Of course, there's always a bucket of cubes. Now that's mainly for bluefin. But yellowfin, every now and again it works and they come up to the boat. Again, it's all ready to go. You're up looking, waiting for those rods to go off. 
it's really important for that side that it's just, you know, hearing that tiger scream, oh, God, it's good. So you're out searching and you just keep looking and looking, constantly looking at the water for changes, signs of bait, souries out there, and, of course, birds. Above all else, you see tuna jumping. So you don't need to be a rocket scientist to work that out. So the other style is cubing. Now, cubing is not what it used to be. You drive out the shelf to start chopping up pillies, hope for the best. Now, it does work. Generally, late afternoon is the prime time. And generally, I've trolled during the day to find an area I like. And I had a, earlier this, or a couple of years ago, trolled through an area, had a couple of bites and thought, you know what? They're not, they're definitely not albacore or they're not yellow, or they're not, you know, striped tuna. So I went back and cubed through the same spot. We caught fish. But it was, again trolled to find the right area just to pinpoint those little hot spots for cubing these days all my pillies are all or pilchards or sardines whatever you want to call them are all equal size you chop up one at a time you know like not chop up one at a time i mean chop them up and then feed them out one at a time as one drifts out of sight the next one goes down then the next one then the next one run two lines on the longer one both on spin gear because spin gear is really good now i hate catching tuna on spin gear but for cubing, it is dynamite because with with the heavy old Tiagras, you're pulling it out, the line's heavier, it, it doesn't sit perfectly in the trail. With spin gear, 80 pound suffix on there with your Stella. Oh, God, I love those Stellas. On my little Oceania, I am giving you the brands here because this is what I use for it, is on the Oceania, I think it's a Jigs a 7, PE7 or PE8 or something. Bloody perfect. And small hooks and let it feed down on the, the the trick is on the one that you feed down the furthest run the heavier leader and then the lighter leader run short reason why because if the fish is going to eat it and you can catch them on the heavier leader let's not waste our time with the light leader always use the heavier leader so the light leader always stays shorter and the other one that you can run further down the trail the other thing that's really important, and I learned this in Ascension Island because I got to swim, and I don't know how many people have ever done this in the world, swim with 100 kilo yellowfin and watch them, how they behave and what they do around the uh, around the baits. So we watched, you know, they're feeding this fish, it's swimming up and eating all the baits, but not the one with the hook in it. First, the hook was too exposed. In the end, what we did was, it wasn't the leader size, but it was the hook. If the hook was hidden completely and when the hook was sticking out, the fish didn't like it. But once that hook vanished and you couldn't see it, the fish ate it straight away. But it was fascinating that a fish was actually smart enough to go, no, that one doesn't add up. And I'm talking you throwing a handful of cubes with one with a hook in it because that's one of the tricks you do is if you get a fish up and he swim around but he's refusing to eat anything with a hook in it, what you do is you throw in a handful so he grabs a whole bunch of them and, of course, one's got a hook. This fish should eat them all except for the one with a hook in it until we hit that hook little vmc hide it right in there that's the way to go um, of course you always have a live yard on top sitting there not always do the yellowfin eat it but you know what it does do it starts shitting itself when there's yellowfin in the trail so even if they're just eating the cubes you'll get that bite you'll you know you'll get the bite on the cube but you'll know they're coming already because you've got that live bait starts jiggering around. Sometimes they eat the live and they don't even eat the cubes. So it's always good, just like trolling, keeping your options open. Uh, just with the bait, fresh is best. Do not use bait that you won't eat yourself. So old shitty blocks of pilchards that have been freezer burnt and all that, go and find the good stuff. 
and always put the very, very best stuff on your bait. So it's even better than the stuff that's running down the trail. When you hook up, don't bring the gear in. Get two of them on, get three of them on, get as many as you can on. That's the key. When it comes to best times, it's not tied for me for tuna. Tide's 100% for marlin. And my old mate Ange will be loving me saying this. It's dawn and dust. Tide, I don't even care about. It might, maybe, nah, it doesn't really make a difference. So Ange, who's sitting in hospital because he actually ran over himself with a tractor. Good story, that. Maybe we'll make a podcast out of him for this one down the track. But I don't care about the tide. Dawn and dusk. So if you fish late or you can get out there for dawn, you will catch more tuna. It's that simple. Dawn and dusk for yellowfin is absolutely critical. Uh, Tackle-wise, it's changed for me over the years. It really has become heavy tackle. I don't like fishing light tackle. I don't like fighting one fish and holding everyone else up on the boat for hours on end. Only to snap the fish off and leave it out there with all that line in. I want to catch the biggest tuna, so I fish heavy. So I fish largely 80 kilo, uh, sorry, 80 pound tackle these days because I want to catch a big tuna. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think it's a more responsible attitude for the oceans is that we don't want to snap a fish off with a heap of line hanging out of it. And I'm not against people line class fishing, but if you want to catch a big tuna, fish the right gear. Do you take it? Was it? Do you take a knife to a gunfight? No, you take the biggest gun you can. 300 WSM or something like that's for me. The bigger, the better. And just in closing, just with these yellow fin, is that they are absolutely sensational on the plate. You should not weigh a fish hole because they're too good. The minute you catch one, you're processing it. So what you want to do is nick under each fin because the blood vessel's right up close to the side there. Nick under each fin and then get your photos done. So what we do is we bring the fish on board and then it's nearly always lying on one side. That's your side for photos. We nick the other side so it's bleeding out already. Get it up, get the photos while it's fresh and clean and get everyone excited on it. It's hard and it's messy to do. And can I just say... The people that are calling their fish 80 kilos and are holding it up on their own, it's not an 80 kilo fish because we can't hold them up. Oh, and there's even coffee coming out. That's what I need. And bun. And bun. All right. Sorry for that little break, but this is the professional style. And you know what I'm doing? I'm getting a coffee. Go the Yeti mug. All right. So as I was saying, it's all about you can't lift up an 80 kilo fish on your own. We go by lengths now, so that big fish we caught the other day was 1.7 something, I think 1.75 or something like that. So, yeah, you can tell. And four of us are holding up and struggling. So when the guys say they're lifting up 50 kilo fish on their own, they're not even close. But that's all right. That's each to their own. I like to call my weights and make sure I'm 100% on. Uh, What am I talking about? Bleeding it. So this is just the final in it. We want to make sure you process and do it all properly because I've got my coffee there now. So bleed it. Then once you've done that, you've got your photos, you've got to gut this, gut it out. So that's cut out, get all those gills and guts out and pack it down with ice in there. That's the next step. You want to ice it down because it gets hot. Yellowfin are endothermic. So you want to cool that fish down. So you need to have bags and bags of ice out there. We carry five to six bags. We stack that stomach full. We put it underneath the stomach. We pack it around that stomach as much as we can to get it cool. In the case like when we caught that big fish with Joe and Stu and the boys, we turned around and drove straight home to process it because these tuna are too good. Let them go if you don't want to eat them 
And if you don't, if you do, make sure you look after it properly. You've got three minutes to dictate the quality of that fish. Three minutes from capture. So when it comes on board, you're processing it. No mucking around. And you do not kill a fish. If you want to wait, gut and gill it and add 10%. Exactly what they do for the commercial guys. Same thing. That's all you need to do. Because these yellowfin, imagine if we couldn't catch them. Imagine if they weren't there. It's everyone's responsibility to look after them. Nothing wrong with eating them, unless it's in a can, because that is, should be illegal. You need to look after these fish. They're too good. And I'll tell you what, they are my favourite fish to catch. And as soon as this weather calms down, I'm going straight back out there to catch another yellowfin. So that's it. Another podcast is done. Let me know what you think. I want some feedback. I know I'll get some about my um, explanations for the uh, those places down in Mexico and all that that I can't pronounce properly. Tell us your techniques. You ask for yellowfin. You've got yellowfin. Let's talk about what you guys want coming forward and different things. I know everyone's asked for more on bluefin. We'll look at doing more on bluefin as well. Let's keep coming up with new ideas and new things. And of course, it's all about feedback from you guys. But in the interim... I'm going fishing, and I can't even turn off this bloody thing. How does it turn off? Oh, man. Press to home to unlock. There we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.